and welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where we're actually going to play you another podcast where a filmmaker and a comedian are guests on Bingers Assemble with our friend Matthew Fox, who's been a guest multiple times on the most excellent 80s movies podcast. Uh, we are actually guesting with him on this one for Bingers Assemble. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So we thought we would uh, just do a little crossover for you and uh, offer you this episode of our thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Have you ever wondered what happened to the Holy Grail? Have you ever wondered who's a better lover, Harrison Ford or Sean Connery? Have you ever wondered what happens when you get a number of people who absolutely love the 80s and get them talking about one of the best 80s action movies, Dr. Henry Jones Jr. and the last... No, sorry, his name is actually Indiana Jones, even though we... Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Anyway, it's Binger's Assemble, and it's the absolutely awesome 80s podcast that I've just completely misnamed, but they'll fix for me, with myself, Nathan Blackwell, Chrissy Lenz, I'm Matthew Fox, and soon we have some commercial sponsors that hopefully aren't selling anything to do with snakes. Right back. Welcome back. I'm Matthew Fox. I've been your host on this journey through the Indiana Jones movies. And we're now up to the third Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And this is I, I, the Indiana Jones movies, as we've talked a lot about in the last couple of movies, are quintessential 80s, if nothing else. They're, they're great in so many levels. They're, they're references to the 1930s serial movies, but they're very 1980s in all the good and eh, couple of not so great ways and that's fine and so in looking for guests for these the i I wanted to bring on uh two of my favorite uh guests who run their own 80s podcast that i cannot remember the exact name of so let them introduce (laughs) it uh nathan and chrissy uh nathan and chrissy uh why don't you go ahead and uh say hello and introduce yourselves hey thanks for having us i don't know why i'm doing a mario accent how's it going (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is. I don't blame you, Matthew. The name is quite a mouthful. It's the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's so many words. It's big words. Uh, I'm it, Chrissy Lenz. <laughs> and I'm Nathan Blackwell. Awesome. Well, it, it is a great podcast. I've been on it a couple times and mm-hmm. was so excited to have you on for this. Uh, this, as I said, is the um, uh, Binger's Assemble podcast. We're getting you all ready for the new Indiana Jones movie that's coming out pretty darn soon. This will probably get released about a week or two before that comes out. And we're just kind of going through each one of these movies. And let me kind of just jump in and, and ask you all, what was your Indiana Jones experience? Do you remember what was the first one you saw? Did you see them in the theaters? Did you see them later? Kind of what, where were you on the Indiana Jones train? Ooh, I'll go first because yours is better, Nathan. Um, I, uh, I love Indiana Jones. It was a family favorite. The uh, VHSs were constantly being worn out in our household. Uh, I do remember seeing Last Crusade in theaters, uh, but I think I was a little too little uh, to go see uh, the other two in theaters. So I definitely saw them on VHS and and they were quite beloved. But I have a very distinct memory of seeing uh, Last Crusade in the theater and sneaking in sodas. 
because my dad couldn't abide paying movie prices for sodas uh, and, you know, cracking open my Sprite in the theater. Oh, that noise. Yep. I love it. Nathan, what about yourself? So, uh, so Indiana Jones is probably my favorite fictional character. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark probably made me fall in love with movies like that was like the gateway and so i we didn't have so i was still pretty i was still very young um and so and we didn't have a vcr not for years and so i would just listen to the soundtrack and try to remember all the different scenes and moments that i loved and then would recreate some of those moments in like with like a super eight camera and little figurines. Um, but for Indiana Jones, and the last crusade, um, I definitely remember. I, I remember seeing Temple of Doom. I actually remember s- two points in Temple of Doom. I was waiting in line to get into the movie at the Seneca Pre in Phoenix, and then um, and then I, I, I at the point that Last Crusade was out, I was about thirteen. I was in. I, I it was actually the last day of sixth grade. Um, and summer vacation just went out. My mom took me and my friend Gabe Burnham to um, the theater. And then I, I remember just the anticipation and the excitement and also leaving a school like it was our last day at that school. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just I just remember, um, uh, you know, there's not a lot of moments that you that are kind of like these watershed moments that you remember way back like <laughs> 20, 30 years ago, but that was one of them. And so, yeah, I, I hear you. And I, I, I definitely had a strong love for Indiana Jones. I think my favorite character in fiction was Han Solo, mm-hmm. but it was definitely like Harrison Ford was it, you know, and the fact that he played both of these roles and I'm kind of halfway in between you two. And then I, I also, I don't remember seeing, I don't remember the first time I saw Raiders or Temple of Doom. I just always remember having seen them. And then I saw this one uh, in, in, in theaters. And I was saying to someone uh, on an earlier recording that I think in many ways I have always thought of Last Crusade as my favorite. And it probably is, although Raiders is also amazing. Excuse me. But that a big reason for it is probably because, I, I think I have the, the technical, I think I have this right. Um... I think that we, my family had Raiders on Betamax, but we got Last Crusade on VHS. And so that we, we eventually got to a time when we only had a VHS machine, never went back and bought Raiders. But so I just watched Last Crusade a lot more in like middle school and high school. But either way, this to me is really peak Indiana Jones. Um, mm-hmm. I had a couple of people on for Temple of Doom who are horror movie enthusiasts, and I think they, they really made a good case of Temple of Doom as a wonderful horror movie. Mm. And, I, and I was able to be like, yeah, that it is an awesome example of a genre. It's just not my favorite genre. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is back in the archaeological slash adventure slash quippiness and plus Nazis the bad guy that mm-hmm. just it, it hits all the things I love most about Indiana Jones. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of similarities between Last Crusade and Raiders. Not only are they in the desert, but I mean, you can kind of see a little more of the DNA. Like there's a secret DNA to Indiana Jones movies is that mm-hmm. Spielberg and Lucas wanted to do their own version of James Bond. 
Yeah. You know, and so with like Raiders and Last Crusade, you get kind of like that cold open and an action scene at the beginning, and then they go on an adventure. And in Raiders and Last Crusade, you get to see them be at the equivalent of like MI6 and get a mission, get ready mm-hmm. to go out to the mission, and then go out and travel and go to the mission, yeah. just like the older James Bond films. Yeah. You know, and so there is a lot of similarity. Whereas Temple of Doom is technically a prequel to Raiders, um, mm-hmm. uh, and then it's also he's already in the field and he's continuing. But yeah, emotionally it's all over the place because it's it's a little more broad in terms of comedy yeah. and in horror. And I think I think that's all right. And I think this one also brings back what, what I think are a couple other things that are fundamental to the DNA: um, biblical stories and Nazis. You know, and that <laughs> both the Nazis are the primeval villain because I think they're just. And um, we'll, we'll, I'll be talking soon about Last Crusade. I have a lot of positive things to say about it, but I definitely think like Russians are just not the Nazis in terms of like the fear they inspire. But also mm-hmm. that it's 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 biblical archaeology, and I, I I say biblical not that I think that it's a religious thing, but just that I think that these these are the myths that we all know, or, or many of us know, especially in the United States, growing up, uh, the the myth of the Holy Grail has a very Christian connotation, and it's the Christian version of that story. But there are there are Grail narratives in the pre-Christian pagan communities of most of Northern Europe and a lot of other places in the world, and and so the, the, it, it taps into something primordial, I think, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and it just yeah, there's just there's just so much of it that works so well. Let me let me give a quick summary of the movie for those who either. This one especially, if you haven't seen it, I'm definitely going to encourage you to go find it. It is definitely available on Paramount. It may be available on some other more shady ways that I certainly will not discuss, <laughs> but have good virus protection if you're doing that. Um, but but uh, watch the movie, but if you haven't seen it in a while, you just want to get reminded as you get ready for the new one, whatever it is, here's a quick plot summary. Uh, we start with uh, a flashback to uh, young Indiana Jones uh, in Utah in 1912. Uh, this, by the way, if you want to complain that MCU movies sometimes shove in things to set up other shows, uh, it, that that tradition goes way back in George Lucas' world. Well, also in Star Wars, but that tradition goes way back in these kind of movies. Basically, the movie starts with a 15-minute ad for the new TV show that was coming starring River Phoenix as young Indiana Jones. But it's a lot of fun. Uh, We get to see him having his first kind of set of adventures. Uh, You get the famous line of him, you know, saying like about these archaeological treasures, this belongs in a museum, which does make a lot of sense when it comes to something like Cortez's gold thing. Less so when he's going to South America to take things from their home and say this belongs in a museum, but different story um anyway and and in this we get we see where he gets his hat we see where he gets his whip we see where he gets his fear of snakes it's a really good kind of like you know little little thing like that flash forward we get another little adventure story he finally gets the cross back defeats the guy who harmed him and he finds out that uh not only has his father gone missing and and uh, no, I'm sorry. He's been sent his father's diary, and we learned that his father was always obsessed with finding the Holy Grail. 
And meanwhile, some people come to him, as you said, kind of the MI6, we're sending you on a mission that the people who are examining, who are looking for the Holy Grail have disappeared. They've stopped. They don't know what's going on. It's all very scary. So we go on adventures. Uh, we have this great adventure in Venice, which I think brings up some some of the things that I love most about Indiana Jones, which is the puzzle solving, mm-hmm. the figuring out of the ancient clues from long ago. We get introduced to some antagonists who are um, people we later learn are basically they're knights who are guarding the Grail um, and the Grail history. Uh, more adventures. Uh, we have a wonderful kind of fun, very Indiana Jonesy uh, seduction scene with the lead scientist who's doing this, where they're both angry at each other as they're kissing each other, and she's of legal age, and it's so much better than in Raiders. <laughs> uh, so that's wonderful. Uh, find out that uh, Dr. Henry Jones Sr., his father, has been kidnapped. They go to rescue him. Turns out that it's Nazis all along. The beautiful woman is working with the Nazis. The beautiful woman has slept with both of the Jones brothers. There's adventures. There's motorcycle chases. Uh, All these things happen, and we eventually find ourselves in uh, basically what is now southern, uh, northern Syria or uh, southern uh, Turkey, that area. And we have more adventures. We're doing, we're finding out where the grail is. And it's this race between our heroes and the Nazis. Everybody gets there about the same time. And uh, jo- jo- both of the Joneses are like, look, we're not going to help you Nazis to find this grail. And so Donovan, who's the American businessman who's been working with the Nazis, uh, kind of playing the same role as Belloc, the French scientist from the first movie, says, okay, well, I'll give you some motivation. And he shoots Dr. Henry Jones in the stomach, uh, his dad. The idea being that the grail is the only thing he can use to uh, save his father. Uh, We once more have these awesome puzzles that he goes through. Uh, Jones has to both use his own knowledge and his father's knowledge in the diary to figure out how to get past these three puzzles. Donovan follows them, and then uh, uh, the beautiful scientist helps Donovan pick a cup to, because he's got to decide which is the right grail, which is the actual grail. If you drink from the wrong one, you die. If you drink one the right one, you live. Uh, She pulls out this absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, jeweled one, and he drinks from it, and it's the wrong one, and he dies. And she gives kind of an enigmatic smile that we'll talk about for sure. And then uh, when our hero, Indiana, is looking for the right one. Uh, he figures out that it's that this wasn't a rich man. He wasn't. He was the king of kings, Jesus, in, in some knowledge much later. But this was just a carpenter with his friends having having uh, the Passover meal, and so it would be a simple cup. And so he says, this looks like the cup of a carpenter. Picks that cup, drinks from it. He lives, uses the water to heal his father. They try to get out. Um, Elsa, who's the, the Austrian scientist, I should say, but working with the Nazis, um, she gets a little too into the grail. She wants to bring the grail home, even though they're not supposed to have it leave the cave. The cave all starts falling in. She's trying to be rescued, but she goes for the grail. She dies. Indiana's trying to go for the grail. He almost dies. But then his father, who has always put the grail ahead of his son, says, no, son, it's okay. Let it go. Beautiful emotional moment, father and son. And our heroes ride off into the sunset with the revelation that Indiana is not our hero's actual name. It's the name of the dog. Yay. Quick plot summary. What did I miss? Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Spoiler warning for a movie that's older than probably most of our audience. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what did I miss? Did I miss any big plot points? Um, no, I, I think we're good. We did miss uh, um, Indiana Jones's uh, Scottish accent, 
but um, oh yes, that yeah. was a, a beautiful little moment. He he comes to the German German castle to look at tapestries, mm-hmm. yeah. which I, which I argue is pretty halfway decent. You know, like it's yeah. only for a quick little bit, but it's about as good as Donovan's American accent. <laughs> I I know that there's a good deal of improvising that Har- that Harrison Ford does on screen that that Lucas and, and Spielberg will wind up putting in. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if they heard him like making fun of Sean Connery's accent. I, I, so, and that that's where they got right. this idea. I I don't think that they actually do much improvising, or at least Harrison Ford. But what he does, I think he's well known, is that he brings a lot of ideas to the right. to it. And so it's mm. like you might have a bunch of plans. Um, but he comes up with like, oh, well, what if we do this? What do we do this? What do we do this? You right. know? Yeah. yeah. I, improvising is the wrong word. It's not planned. It's just that he's like, look, I'm too drunk or hungover. <laughs> Can I just shoot this guy? And it works well. Uh-huh. <laughs> so so what are the things, uh, what is, just kind of at the top, what are the things you really like about this movie? I love the humor uh, of it. There's so many funny moments. Uh, There's so many moments where uh, Indiana Jones is like dealing with his father and his father um, not understanding these adventures, Mm -hmm. not understanding that there's all these people trying to kill Indiana Jones and chase Indiana Jones and shoot Indiana Jones. So I love all the moments where Henry Jones Sr. is like, what did you do? I can't believe what you just did. They're trying to kill us. (laughs) (laughs) Which I mean, me all the time. I I think so. I kept. I actually kept track of how many people Indiana Jones killed, and then how many people his dad killed, and they're pretty much on par. Like I think his dad actually killed more people. In the end. Wow. What? Because he blew up a whole. He blew up a whole truck full of people with the tank. He did, oh, he did yeah. fire the tank. He, he made up for lost killing in that moment. <laughs> but I, um, I did think my, my favorite uh, Dr. Henry Jones Sr. Sean Connery murder moment was they're, they're on a beach and they're being chased still by this one fighter plane. Mm-hmm. And in just this like adorable old man does terribly homicidal things, uh, he takes his umbrella and starts scaring this flock of geese, mm-hmm. causing or whatever bird it is, causing all those birds to fly up and get caught and, uh, and, and kill a lot of the birds, to be clear, uh, and cause the, the plane to crash. And then he just turns around and he, hey, when, when Indiana's like, how'd you think of it? He says, I just remembered my Charlemagne, because there's some Charlemagne mm-hmm. about like, let my weapons be the beasts of the land and the birds that fly or something like that. And it's just yeah. like adorable and homicidal all at once. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. Well, well, I mean, to be fair, it was self-defense. I mean, yes. yeah, very true. You're, 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 you're in a, you're in like a, 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 a you know, it's like they brought an umbrella to a, 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 a Messerschmitt fight, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and so, you know, that's, I, I've never gone through and just kind of analyzed the the way that the killing or violence is depicted but for some reason I was just kind of keeping track of that and I mean it's all self-defense there's nothing yeah. I, I, and I think it, again I just kind of thought about the the comparisons to James Bond like they wanted there's moments where they kind of brush up against him being a little bit of a skirt chaser. You know, mm-hmm. 
and they've done that in Raiders also with like some of the deleted scenes and it just never felt right like the times yeah. you know the, the times that they wanted to go a little more James Bond they realized it's not really Indiana Jones like James Bond does like preemptively kill people you yeah. know um you know, because he he is a man on a mission, pursuing the interests of the state. You know, um, and yeah, like they 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 make it very clear that every co-ed at the college that he's teaching at, which is basically Columbia just with a new name, is very excited to take every class they can with Doctor Jones. But mm-hmm. uh, he 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 never shows any interest in them, which which is yeah, it's uh-huh. I, I think they which I think uh, that tracks. Being yeah. a, being a college uh, professor myself, at mm-hmm. least as a, adjunct faculty, I took a lot of inspiration, which uh, the way that Indiana Jones grades papers. Uh huh. <laughs> did, 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 did you ever have a student write their feelings for you on their eyeliner? No, it, it hasn't happened yet. I've only <laughs> That's taught, probably healthier. Yeah. That's probably healthier. So, yeah, it's probably yeah, for the I, best. I love the humor in this. I just, I just love the way it combines that that there is a level of humor, there is a level of action adventure, but it is very, you know, we never we see gross things happen to bodies, but in such it's always more supernaturally ways. Like, well, well, actually, no, I shouldn't say that because we continue the like. There's some beheadings and there's some. Um, uh, the, one of the things of the the DNA of the um, movies that I I don't really know where they got this idea, but it's just been in all, is they always have a fight near some deadly piece of machinery. Yeah. And always, you know, whether it's the propeller in the first movie, it's the stone crusher in the second movie, and it's the treads of the tank in the third movie. Um, And they Mm. always do that. But even there, I mean, it's, it's, but it's not, Except for the supernatural stuff, those aren't gross-out horror. It's no, more just no. like it's so over the top that it's just like, and again, it's Nazis. Yeah, I think there's such a sense of like it's so tied to the old serials that they're based off of, mm-hmm. because yeah. for for those serial series, you know, like like you know, like sci-fi ones like Flash Gordon or more modern ones like Spy Smasher, like they were like twenty-part series you know so they were like the length of two feature films broken up into little episodes like 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 you know like i i think they're more like 20 minute episodes um but they would always need these cliffhangers you know you would always need some sort of device that is in inescapable and so just kind of like if you look at the pattern of Especially um, the the earlier um, Indiana Jones movies is that they're kind of continually getting into these cliffhanger perils, you know, yeah. this classic moment of it's like, oh my god, and then the boulder is coming after them, and there's traps everywhere, and you know, like how do they get out? Like, and you can imagine it stopping at a certain point, um, mm-hmm. and then picking up in another thing, and I think at. at at the point that it gets the last crusade, it kind of dispenses with that. That they're kind mm-hmm. of really more pursuing the story of the father and son. And I think so much so that they they realized that there wasn't that much action in the movie. And they put the whole motorcycle chase in after they filmed. They was like, oh, oh we interesting. Need, we need a little. Yeah, if you go back and you watch, like, the scenery kind of changes from Europe to, like, oh, Southern California. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, it, you could notice that Harrison Ford's hair kind of goes a little longer um, in the motorcycle oh, chase. It, it's funny because I. 
like in the first two movies at least, I, and I always assume this is part of the the honoring of the serials. You know, those serials always had to have like ten minutes of talky talk and then a big fight scene, mm-hmm. and that's very much the pace of these movies. Is there's some like there's the new discovery, there's some talk about that, and then there's the fight. And and so the, yeah. to me, the motorcycle scene it fe- felt very intentionally paced. So mm-hmm. interesting that they kind of tried originally to get away with that. And they're like, eh, yeah, no, let's throw in some more fight scenes. Yeah, yeah, they needed just a little more jazz. Mm-hmm. I love all the points in the in the motorcycle chase where Indiana Jones is looking at his father all proud, like, did you see what I did, Dad? I stuck a, a <laughs> stick in the wheel and he went flying. And, and Henry Jones is just like, ooh. He's, like, winding his watch and he's just, like, <laughs> not having it. He's Because he, he, he assumed that he could send the diary to his son and his son would therefore know to keep it safe. But he's brought the diary to the Nazis and he's mm-hmm. so mad about that. And, and yeah, and it, it, it's... It's a really wonderfully done thing because I think it is um, – it, it sets off that payoff at the end of, you know, that the father has throughout been more interested in his son comes in badly wounded and the father's like, no, 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 wait. I'm, I'm writing down some grail stuff. This is more important. He's constantly saying the grail is more important. We have to go to Berlin to get mm-hmm. the diary. And um, and so, yeah, I think it makes that, that ending just more powerful. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, Dr. Henry Jones Sr. in general. Yeah, what did you think of the introduction of the Sean Connery character? How, how did that add or take away from the, 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 the movie and Indian self? I love him. I find him so charming. And I, I love a charming curmudgeon, which mm-hmm. is fun because that's really the trajectory that Harrison Ford has taken in his lifetime is to now become <laughs> the lovable curmudgeon. Uh, but if, from that first scene where he cracks him on the head with a, a base and we get the sort of double talk of like, oh, thank God. It's a fake. You could tell in the cross section when you think he's yeah. saying, "Oh, thank God, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't uh-huh. hurt you too and, bad." And, and, yep. you, and, and, and you can see Indiana Jones is so like prepared to accept his praise. It's like, yep. oh, like he is so like waiting for it and so lit up by it, you know. <laughs> yep. But it's he's talking about the vase the whole time, mm-hmm. uh, and I just love that introduction where he's like, uh, "I'm right, uh, everything I'm doing is right, and you're such a, a screw up, indeed." And it's and it's such a playful way too, you yeah. know. To, to there's there's so many playful moments in Indiana Jones that I really just love. Like, you don't, it's like you don't need, it's like when they get the tank from the, um, from the, 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 I don't know if he's a, a prince or, or what he, whatever he is, but they 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 brought a bunch of treasure, but instead he is a motorhead and he wants the um, the Rolls Royce instead. Yeah. That's just a fun, creative, mm-hmm. playful little touch that that a lot of movies wouldn't go with. You know, I, I mean, to me, the ultimate one of those is that Indy winds up going to this um, book banning ra- book burning rally uh, in Nazi Germany to try and find Elsa to find the diary he gets the diary he's running an escape and he quite literally bumps into Hitler mm-hmm. yeah. and Hitler Oops. like holds out his hand and Indy's like I- I've been caught by the literal head of the Nazis I've got to give him the diary mm-hmm. he hands over the diary Hitler stares at him for a moment signs the book and gives it back and it's yeah. just it's exactly that playfulness of like mm-hmm. yeah the, you, you know because the reminder of like yeah this is a thing but also to hitler like he doesn't know who this indiana jones guy is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just back on the father part i 
This is a question I'm kind of curious how you all think of, because, like, there's a lot of things in the 80s movies that just don't make this kind of movie anymore. And there's some ways in which, you know, these movies haven't aged the best, and that's like, and I, I'm, I'm glad for some of the changes that happen in movies today. Like, for example, I think that if you made this movie today, you'd be much more aware of the fact that what Sean Connery is doing is horribly traumatic and really terrible fatherhood. And, and... I appreciate that we're getting movies that shine a light on that. Yeah, and they're going for but I, it. Yeah. But I'm also really yeah. glad that this movie doesn't. Like, this movie is just like, no, he had a jerk of a father, and there's a nice redemption moment at the end, but really we're just going to have fun with it. We're not going to make this actually about family trauma. We're not going to make this actually about, you know, all of you who've had a hard relationship with your father, you know, you're going to sit in the trauma of this. Like, it was pleasant for me to remember, like, no, you know, sometimes that can just be the running joke. And, like, I'm glad we talk about it, that it's more than just a joke today. But I'm also really glad that we have these movies, too. Yeah. Yeah. He I, taught I, himself reliance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> I'm glad that they, that they actually kind of go for it, even though it is kind of playful, you mm-hmm. know, that you get the sense of how strict his father was and what and, and his father's mentality and just right. the moment it's like okay well we're free right now you always wanted to talk let's talk right now what do you want to talk about like just like yeah. kind of throwing down the gauntlet and that's a great moment you know um and they do have a complicated history and they don't solve anything you know, um, other than their relationship to each other. They basically say water under the bridge, you know. Right. Yeah. They don't prove each other wrong. Uh, instead, they, they just find a way to love each other. Yeah. Which I think is the way. Like, I, I think Indiana, I think Henry Jones Sr. is still positive he did the right thing. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Indiana Jones is still positive that his dad was a dick back then. But yeah. they've put that aside, and I think that's the way you you have you love complicated family members. You know, mm-hmm. you can't prove them wrong, or you can't prove yourself right. You know, to a degree, <laughs> uh, if they, you know, I mean, if he continued to do those actions, that's a different thing. But right. they're basically at a different stage in their lives, and I think we've yeah. all we've had family mem- you know, we've all had family members who have very different types of opinions, you know, like politics or whatever. And if 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 that doesn't come up, then we can find a way to still love each other. If they're not pushing it on me, you know, it's like I can respect that you have these thoughts and feelings as long as it doesn't, you know, continue to harm people in in, you know, harm me or, or our lives. If we can find a way to kind of love each other yeah, I think that's the that's the way that complicated family situations go. I, I think I strongly disagree on that, but this isn't a family therapy uh, podcast, so I'll kind of just hold different opinions there. But just on the, the Sean Connery part of it, I I agree with it there, especially because I think it it it's it's the fact that his father specifically says like don't try for the grail your life is more important mm-hmm. you know because i think that i think there there you're very much correct that it's it's in what india is saying is like all the stuff he did in the past he's now re- like he's not saying india i'm sorry for putting the grail forward but he's definitely saying in this moment like no 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 the grail is not as important i want to save you um and-, and he calls him indiana you know the running joke through the whole movie is that he's henry jones jr he calls him jr don't call me jr uh and mm. then he calls 
calls him Indiana uh, is that moment of uh, and to me he's saying I see you as you are as who you want to be and not just who I want you to be and who I see right. you as yeah um, and that's how he really breaks through um, his his fog of uh, I don't know if you'd call it greed or mm-hmm. whatever it is for the grail right yeah, I think I think it's a really good way of saying it let me ask a question about Indiana, because one of the things is that in this movie, he is adopt he he is often the skeptic uh, for us in these in these movies about supernatural things, and so he's the one who starts with like oh the Grail it's all just hokum none of it's real, or if it is it's just a cup etc. This man has quite literally seen the Ark of the Covenant do exactly what it was supposed to do in the myths of laying waste well granted he didn't see he kept his eyes closed but he knows that like you open the ark all the evildoers are killed he's also seen this like you know uh cult of an evil god that can allow people to reach into their bodies and pull out their hearts and make things do you buy him as a skeptic after those two things have happened well it's it's a tough needle to thread because you know like we you know, so obviously the films are big watershed marks in his adventures and our experience in terms of observing his adventures. And, mm-hmm. and and conceivably, he's had a lot of other adventures in between. Maybe one's not as, as sexy. Maybe th- these were just made for TV, you know, yeah. um, like, you know, it's like. Indiana Jones and the Unicorn's Legacy or Indiana Jones right. and the Sky Pirates, you know. <laughs> um, I'm literally just reading off of books that they put out. <laughs> I've got all the covers right here. Um, oh, that's, oh, those are actual... Wait, there's an Indiana Jones and a Unicorn book? That was well, no, the Unicorn's Legacy. I don't know if it... Okay. Uh, I, there probably isn't a living unicorn in it, but... Okay. Um, well, in the in the movies, we get the cross of Cortez and or mm-hmm. Coronado, and we do get like the 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 South American thing. There's all these traps that are human made, but yeah, there's yeah. nothing supernatural there. So, mm-hmm. so I, I guess I guess the play, um, I, I, you know, maybe not devil's advocate, but just to kind of like um, to give them a little like you know. Um, Mm-hmm. Space to work with it. I'm sure he comes. I'm sure he comes along with a lot of stuff that doesn't have magical powers, but yeah. it is, but has in the folklore of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and and then at the big at the first Raiders Lost Ark, he is kind of fallen from the faith. Like he's essentially like a grave robber at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he is kind of naturally a cynic. And kind of that Humphrey Bogart character of like, eh, I'm a little oh, yeah. jaded of everything, you know. Um, and so he is the one to kind of. I, but I also feel like where, you know, Indiana Jones is like, you know, they're going through, in, in uh, you know, Henry Sr.'s. Um, disheveled house, and he's like to Brody, do you think. Do you think the Grail actually exists, Brody? You know, yeah. And I think that 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 little part of him is is concerned that this thing might actually be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's a tough yeah. one because you you it's like the the worst situation was is that he would automatically believe at the beginning. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you can't have that. But yeah, I would have liked it if either uh, uh, Brody or Sella, you know, had been like. 
you remember the arc was real, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh-huh. just that little poking. Well, he um, also, like, he changes his mind really easily, too. He says to his class at the beginning, X never ever marks the spot. And as soon as it does, he's like, X marks the spot. He, you yeah. know, he's willing to <laughs> change his mind and be flexible. He's not uh, quite so um, rigid in his thinking that mm-hmm. he can't uh, change his mind. I have to say, I thought that scene in the Italian Museum in Venice was just peak Indiana. Like, that and the puzzles at the end are just... I, I like a fight scene, uh, not as much as a lot of others, and especially, I think I like 1980s fight scenes a lot more than the super CGI'd stuff we get now. But to me, that those are the scenes that I most love, the, the puzzle solving and the just the little details, like the... You have to remember that it. Yes, the name of God is Yeho- Yehovah, but in Latin there's no J, so it's an I. Um, and and the penitent man kneels and all that stuff. I just thought it was, uh, and the X, yeah, the 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 three markers in the Italian museum. Mm-hmm. It, it was just so much. It, to me, it's just so much fun to watch. You know, it it taps into the same stuff that like Da Vinci Code does so many years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love it too. I love the adventure of uh, knowing that this uh, ancient burial site is below this converted library and now it's a library and we have to look around and it's so funny the scene where he is uh stamping the books the library man is stamping oh yeah and indiana jones is cracking through a marble floor with a brass stanchion uh is hilarious it's completely unbelievable and unrealistic but it is hilarious when the man like puts the little stamp down and just like regards it after it's mm-hmm. been making these crazy sounds that's such a funny funny scene um and it uh it does the perfect thing of uh adding a little a little sprinkle of humor on top of our adventure and and it also just shows just who indy is that you know earlier you had his father or later you have his father getting so upset that he might have broken this vase while attacking what he thought was in it uh, someone was going to come to kill him and here indies i mean this isn't a, a marble floor that was made 30 years ago clearly this floor has a strong historical relevance as well <laughs> and he's like well there's a slight chance that what i'm looking for is beneath it let's just crack this floor right now yeah. with all the library staff around us no one's gonna come bother us of course we're americans we're fine um you know it was just it was hilarious to me mm-hmm. just the idea that that like brass stanchion wouldn't just bend uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah well, we we love like an outlaw. We love a gunslinger, and so it's like he knows the quest is more important than like archaeological preservation, and so right. we love it when he kind of goes off road and has to do these things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's so true. Let's talk briefly about the villains that we get because we we have three kind of main villains. We have Donovan, who's the American businessman who's working with the Nazis, but he he very much like Belloc in that first movie. He doesn't care about the Nazi ideology. He just wants the he wants the eternal life. He wants the Grail. Mm-hmm. We have Ilsa, who's kind of the she does care about the Grail. She doesn't really believe in the Nazis, but she's willing to work with them because she wants it for the fame and the the fortune and all that, and also just because she believes yeah. in the studies. But she's willing to cut any corner. And then the Nazi colonel, who's just you know Naziing everywhere and chewing as much machinery as he possibly can in the most Nazi ways. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of our trio of villains? Um, I I definitely liked Ilsa. She's like a like kind of like Belloc was. She's a dark version of what Indiana Jones is. 
Mm-hmm. Like what? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like what she is willing to do. You know, and ultimately, um, uh, she she was. You know, she. You know, she didn't have her dad to save her at the end. You know, she right. she was willing to do very dark stuff in terms of collaborating with the Nazis, um, and 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 put other people in danger or death. She's totally willing to let Donovan die, which I mean, honestly, that wasn't so bad. He kind of had to go. <laughs> um, uh, but, quick interruption. So, did she, do you think she intentionally chose the wrong cup? Yeah, I do. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's my thought too. Yeah. Um but yeah, um unlike Indiana Jones, she was tempted by the treasure to her own death because Ilsa couldn't let it go. Yeah. And we see little moments of her like she's crying as they're burning the books. Like she has tears in her eyes as the books are being burned. And she's, you know, very like defensive mm-hmm. of like uh her connection to the Nazis, but still it's like, but you're still there, so your little mm-hmm. crocodile tears aren't that impressive. But it's meant to show us that she has a depth other than just she's not just a Nazi. Whereas Donovan is like stone cold. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Like he is full on, just willing. He is tempted by the Grail itself, and that yeah. that's so. We, we talked about kind of like these, you know, like the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail. Um, I guess, you know, the, the, you know, like these Christian symbols, one of the advantage we get is that we're familiar with what they do, you know, like the, right. the Holy Grail is supposed to allow you to live forever or whatever, you know, yeah, as like, long as you don't leave the house. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so not only is it like, and it's tough with like the Shankara stones, you almost had to make it more about the children than the artifact. You know, and so we get some extra mileage actually knowing what their significance is. And in in this movie, there's a lot of mileage out of the 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 quest for immortality, the quest for, you know, the glory of what it represents. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? I like the way you put that because it kind of shows these three different approaches. That Donovan just wants the thing purely for the thing. Mm-hmm. The Nazi colonel wants it for, you know, the power that it gives to Hitler and Hitler's armies yeah. and, and all Hitler's this kind glory. of thing. Yeah. And Ilsa, as you said, wants it for the archaeology and for the the, the um there's a great moment in in the second movie that I'd forgotten because I hadn't watched it anywhere near as many as the others, um, where where they're they're going to look look for the Shankara stones, as you say. And the villagers have asked them to go help the children. And Indy says he's going for fortune and glory. Mm-hmm. And it's a really powerful moment because it's like over the course of the movie, he's like, no, he has to kind of be convinced to rescue the children. And and, and he does get convinced. But I think, yeah, like Ilsa and Indiana Jones at the start of the second movie, I think have a lot in common. And I like what you said there about him being like the dark version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, what I always thought was so powerful, at first, it might seem weird that Indy is like, no, Ilsa, don't do it. It's not worth it. And then immediately he tries it. I think that he has a, a fourth motivation from the three of them, which is one of the things, as we see throughout the movie, is he just wants his father's love and his, his approval. He wants his father to be proud of him. Mm-hmm. And I think so for him, it's that moment of like that it's his father catching him, his father watching this. And so he has this one moment of like, can I finally make dad happy? 
mm-hmm. you know, and then maybe dad will get to start noticing me. And now I'm psychoanalyzing mm-hmm. it the way it would in a modern movie. But, you know, my point. But, yeah, it's really I, I love that analysis. It really shows like all these different views they have of it. Yeah. It's lovely. Um, any other kind of big themes in the movie before we're going to get into kind of like low points and high points to close out? Uh, but any other kind of like big themes or characters you wanted to talk about? Um, I think it's like the the uh, the soldiers of the Q- cruciform sword or the the mm-hmm. protectors of the Grail are everywhere. They're in Venice. They're in the Middle East. They're they're like guarding every single outpost of the Grail. Uh, I like the idea that these guys are in on the secret. They know the whole thing, and they're just like sitting at cafes waiting for someone to uh, slip underneath the library. And it's like, oh, oh, shoot, guys! Uh, yep. It's time. <laughs> All of a it's sudden, time. They, they remind they remind me a lot of, and I don't. I think this is intentional in the later movie. Um, the soldier, the 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 guy who is the descendant of um, the original people who put the mummy in the tomb in the mm. in the mum in the movie mm-hmm. The Mummy. Yeah, uh, and I think like visually he looks an awful lot like these guys, and I think that was intentional because it's yeah. that same him and his whole group are very much this. And yeah, it's 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 nice too, and I think this is also very much a thing of the serials is it brings in yet another antagonist. But, like, so now we have the actual antagonists, the Nazis and the, them, and here we have the people who are the, – they kind of validate our heroes because it's only when they realize that the hero's intentions are pure that they're like, okay, we're on your side now. Yeah, now we'll help you. You know, why do you seek the cup of Christ? Is it for his glory or for yours? I came to find my father. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, here's where he is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found myself asking as I was watching, I was like, wait, how do they get to the Scottish castle? Like, how do they make the leap to the Scottish castle? And I completely forgot that the guy told him. Um, and it's like, well, how did he know? Mm-hmm. How did the... Yep. And I... So I was just watching it going, wait, wait. <laughs> it's, wait, a, it's an wait, Austrian castle. What? He's using a Scottish oh. accent. Yep. Right, right. You're right. Um, but I was like, how did they get there? And it's like, oh, the guy from the boat told him. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, so we kind of often uh, wrap up the um, uh, binge assemble episodes with bottom shelf, top shelf. So bottom shelf, just what were were there any kind of particular moments that you didn't love or little things that are like, eh, that didn't age well. Or just, eh, that wasn't my favorite part of the movie. Mm. I, for me, as much as I find it charming, I also find it cringy the moment where uh, they are uh, having a seduction of each other and it's like uh, I'm going to keep doing things the way I see fit and he kisses her and she's like well I don't want to and then she kisses him and then Mm -hmm. it's like I don't like fast women and I hate arrogant men it's like (laughs) it's cute and it's fun and it's charming but it's also a little just a wee bit cringy I, I feel I feel the cringe is not so much like the eightiesness of it, but like it's weird to see Indiana Jones chasing tail, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like again, like like uh, James Bond does. It's like okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a given, but it you know it's like we've never seen Indiana Jones like really kind of chase after women until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? it's very much like. In, 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 
it's weird, but at least it's like, I think it's, it, they're getting better. You know, in the first movie, mm-hmm. it's, he falls again for this person who he basically ruined her life when he was much older and she, they never say her age, but she says she was just, so maybe she was 18, maybe she's 17 or 16. Either yeah, way, she was she much was too much young younger. for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's super cringe. Yeah. And then the second one, it's, he, he is so much into his refusal to chase that they both clearly want each other, but won't have each other because each of them wants the other one to chase them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this one is definitely interesting. Like, like his whole, like he is so over the top seductive with her, not even so that, but just that, like, oh, you know, it's so nice to be in Venice, but how could I look at anyone's beauty but yours? I forget what he says, but yeah. he, like, gets a flower, and his friends are, like, rolling their eyes as yeah. they this happening, and, you know? But I I think it, 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 we joked about how in the last movie, like, yes, Billy and Indy get together, and it's fun, but the real love story is Billy and, Sh- is Indy and Short Round, and in this, I think, again, the real love story is Indy and his father, like, refinding yeah. each other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, really the only love story in any of the Indiana Jones movies in terms of rom- romantically has been genuinely Marion, you know. Yeah. 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 But interestingly like in like Marion comes in, in his life and is this like, you know, the, they have they fall back for each other and it's supposed to be wonderful. We never hear from her again. Short round like him and Short Round are going to be for together forever. Never hear from him again, mm-hmm. um, you know. Well, uh, well yeah, I, I, I guess that's the, the tough thing, uh, again, about the movies. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like we have no, it's like, in my mind, they were, you know, after Raiders Lost Ark, they were probably together for a while until they kind of broke up, you know. Right. Because I, I feel like at, at that, where they were in their age then, they were always the kind of couple who were fighting. <laughs> like, yeah. it was kind of like passionate. They were both kind of similar, you know. Mm-hmm. And by, the, very true. and by the time that Crystal Skull has kind of come up, you know, they're 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 much more mellow. Yeah, I think it's very true. It's very true. Uh, yeah, I don't think I really had any bottom shelf moments with this movie. It's like some of the CGI is mm-hmm. is very clearly green screened, but again, it's you know, I love the Rancor. I I don't mind that. <laughs> uh, I. I think I notice it because it's high def, and if I was watching it on the original mm-hmm. definition, I probably wouldn't notice it. Um, but it never really pulled me out. I just think this is a yeah. There's some parts of it where I'm like, okay, if you made this movie today, I'd want to make it differently. And 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 but when I know it's a movie, it's time. I like I think there are high points in Raiders that are better, but I also think there are like I, there's no low points from this movie really for me. It's just it's just a fun movie the whole ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think for me, I only have two low shelf quibbles, and one is mm-hmm. the 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 casting of Donovan. I don't felt like he ever really clicked for me. Like I felt, yeah, um, like there could there could have been yeah, that that could have been latitude for for maybe another actor to pull that off a little better. He did fine, did, but do you think? Do you think that maybe I mean we as we talked about we have four different antagonists now. Mm-hmm. We have the 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 cruciform sword people, uh the Nazi, Ilsa and Donovan. Is that is that maybe one too many? Could you have maybe just combined Donovan and Ilsa's character? Uh I like that he gets betrayed by someone that he uh you know immediately trusted, you know. I I yeah. like that there's that sort of like twisteroo. And plus, I told plus you Ilsa, not to trust anyone. Yeah, plus Ilsa not being the top one in charge is that she gets to try to scramble up and and that's true. Yeah, claw up and do things behind their backs. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and then my other, I guess, bottom shelf, and it's just super minor quibble. There's when the tank falls off the cliff, it really looks like a very small model. Like the scale is not very big. It, that 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 scene doesn't that that those those effects don't work for me. And, but that's it. That's it. that scene of the Nazi colonel falling is not the best. I'll yeah. I'll give you that one. Mm-hmm. But I love the scene right afterwards where the dad is like, "I had so many things yes. I wanted to tell him, I just wasn't ready." And Indiana Jones is standing there next to them, like, "Oh, uh-huh. oh. what are you standing there moment. for?" Yeah, and of course he still doesn't tell him. He uh-huh. Doesn't tell him any of those I love you too, can. son. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why are you right. resting when we're so near the end? <laughs> it's so good. Mm-hmm. High shelf. What are some of your favorite moments from this that we haven't talked about yet? Oh, Marcus Brody bringing him in yeah. as kind of a, a comedic mm-hmm. foil is yep. so good. His 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 best line is so you know it's like he's he's kind of like stumbling through the market. Someone offers him water and goes like, "No, thank you, ma'am. Uh, fish make love in it." <laughs> no, I, he said, "I don't." He said, "I don't drink water. Fish make love in it." I I think my favorite line of his was when. Uh, Indy's father, Henry Jones Sr., is like trying to find any way to, you know, fight this Nazi who's grabbing him, and he winds up like shooting ink from his pen into the guy's mm-hmm. eye so he's distracted so he can beat him. And Brody is just so happy because he's proven <laughs> that the pen is mightier than the sword. And he's just like, this is a person who's delighted by dad humor. You know, he is yeah. just, but in the most mm-hmm. academic, fun, like, I just know that I would love to have him as my professor because it would be mm-hmm. two hours of boredom and ten minutes of just utter hilarity that wasn't intended. And he, but he's just so happy with himself when he does that, yeah. and that—that's me when I make a bad joke. And so I just was—I loved that so mm-hmm. much. I speaking of the dad jokes, I think one of my favorite moments is in the young Indiana Jones portion where River Phoenix comes running out of the tunnel, and he's like, "Everyone's lost but me." <laughs> It's it's such an Indiana Jones moment. I've always loved that moment and just thought it was so funny and and clever and cute. Um, And I love River Phoenix's uh, performance. River Phoenix is such a a magnetic uh, person to watch uh, that he's such a delight as Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really true. I think it's really true. I, I. I think when I saw it as a kid, I had this, like, I don't know, for some reason, I didn't want to like it. You know, I just was like, I thought the TV yeah. show was going to be cheesy. It was like, why cast a new one? Rewatching it, though, definitely, even by the time I was in high school, I was like, but this is really fun. This is a, mm-hmm. like, it's a little mm-hmm. paint by numbers. And I'm like, look, here's the whip, and here's the hat, and here's the fear of snakes. But it, but it's also just, it works. And I, and I like the idea of this kind of guy who's... Yeah, he's not a Nazi. He's not the most evil. He's just uh, he's gonna rob some graves and and go after these things. And um, yeah, he no- he recognizes Indy as being like a, a kid with a huge heart. He's like, yeah, have my hat. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's a that's a really fun way to have that kind of um, that bad guy at the beginning kind of be a mentor to yeah. Indiana mm-hmm. Jones. You know, and you can see that he cobbled together his identity. As opposed to following off after his dad's footsteps, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because his dad is definitely not going on adventures. His dad is mm-hmm. very much the purely book <clears throat> academic. Yeah. Um, 
Thanks. Yeah, I um I feel like um Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade really did a great job of piecing together like how Indiana Jones became Indiana Jones, and and so much of it, you know, let's say as opposed to like showing like how Han Solo became Han Solo, um, uh, I felt like they don't explain everything and they let you kind of piece together, make some of the connections. And it's also over the whole duration of the movie, you know? Yeah. We don't learn about, we remember the dog, but we don't realize that we don't learn that Indiana was the dog until the very end of the movie, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that, because Christy, I'm so glad you reminded us that it, that, they have that moment where his father calls him by the name he wants. I think that moment isn't anywhere near as powerful if we've already gotten the joke about it that it's the dog's name. You know, it's yeah. that it's only after that that Sean Connery's actor will be like, okay, yes, I acknowledge that's your name. Mm-hmm. It is our dog's name, though. We're going to say yeah. that, you know? Um, but it's also, it's that, again, it, it's making humor out of the. Because. The, it's making humor out about of the stuff that's not said that would be a lot sadder if you really thought about it because I think like when he says I have a lot of fond memories of that dog to me part of what I hear about is like the dog's the one in the house I had fond memories of growing up dead mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. that's the implication there so yeah yeah, yeah. I'm trying to, I, I, where, my other high shelf moment I think we've hit most of them the Hitler signing the book I remember just thinking was so brilliant mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. everything in that book banning scene we get it in all the movies, but just the like the the red dots and the flying across. Um, oh yes, just especially this one, just because you don't think about it. But yeah, in the 1930s, this is like not long after Lindbergh. Mo- most people, you, you're not flying direct. So that idea that like you had to fly from the states to Europe, you had to have two stops in these you know, small islands yeah, in the middle I, of the I Atlantic Ocean. I love imagining the connections. You know, of all the little stops are. It's like there's minimum like four dots per. For travel, yeah. like I love it. Yeah, you, you have to go to Iceland and then go to like this the island in like the, almost the Caribbean of Spain, off off the coast, the other direction. But yeah, mm-hmm. tropics. Any other last things that you wanted to highlight before we wrap up? It's a great movie. I love it. Recommend. <laughs> yep. Highly recommend. <laughs> oh, sweet. Uh, just to bring in a little bit of the most excellent '80s, should we give it a rating on a scale of Ooh. one to ten? Yeah, from one do. grail to ten grails. How many oh grails God. do you give? Just make sure you drink out of the right one. Yeah, <laughs> choose, choose wisely. Yeah. We've chosen wisely. Mm-hmm. I think this is a. I think this is a ten grail movie. I think this is wow. a. Yeah, as grail great, movies go, movie. this is like top. Yeah, this is yeah. like the top. <laughs> I'm probably gonna give it a, a, a nine, just because I feel like. A ten movie is is like its own little category, but yeah, okay. I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's the second best Indiana Jones movie after Raiders. Yeah. yeah, I think it's. Um, I'm probably right up there. I uh, I've done my best to not talk about the theology of these movies, even though that theology <laughs> is my background. But I do love it, and I I I, I should have mentioned before. But I, the the little thing about the Carpenter's Cup, just the reminder that like. Whatever religious import you put in the story, but in the story, he's not at that point like this glorious king of kings and magnificence. He's a carpenter, a simple man, and that's something I think gets lost a lot yeah. for those people who care about the theology of the stories. Um, yeah, I think I put it at like 8.5, 8.5 or 9, because it's mm-hmm. some parts haven't aged the best, but um, 
But I think they got a, a lot of the things that I love about Raiders but didn't love here, like the bad romance or even the fact that I remember, again, because I hadn't seen it in probably 10 years, I was bracing myself for like the the Native American treasure that they were going to, re- going to basically grave rob. And when it's like, oh, no, 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 it's something from a colonialist, it's something from Cortez, I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. This is so much better than the South American scene from the first mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, probably like 8.59. Yeah. And I, I'll, 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 I'll settle on a nine. It really is just that good. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much. So glad you could be a part of this conversation. And for people who want more awesome, extraordinary, totally awesome, totally tubular 80s movie goodness, <laughs> tell us about what they can find and where to find it. Uh, yeah, we're on True Story FM. It's the most excellent 80s movies podcast. You can get it wherever, you know, the finest podcasts are stored. And we basically uh, do what we've just done. We take uh, movies from the 80s. We look at them now with our grown-up modern eyes and see what held up great, what didn't hold up great, and what we think about them now. All right. And tell us the name of it one more time so people can search for it. The most excellent 80s movies podcast. Um, and speaking of more modern, most excellent movies, uh, Mr. Blackwell, I believe there's a, a movie out there with your name on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Um, I recently um, uh, wrote and directed a, a um, independent feature film called The Last Movie Ever Made. Um, it's going to be, um, it played at the Phoenix Film Festival um, in uh, late March, early April. Um, and then we're also playing at the Chattanooga Film Festival in June. Um, but it, they also have an online portion um, to their film festival. So even if you're not in Chad- Chattanooga, which I won't be, um, mm-hmm. you can actually... I, I, I don't know the dates in which it plays, but it, the, if you uh, check out the Chattanooga Film Festival, um, it, it is possible to actually see it um, awesome. online. And what's the what? Okay, and that's where they can find the link to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's it's the last movie ever made. Um, it's it's basically um, the main character when he finds out he's like in his late thirties. Not much has happened with his life, and um, when he finds out the world is coming to an end, um, he wants to finish his abandoned uh, sci-fi movie from high school. And so yeah. he kind of like gets together old old friends he hasn't kept in contact with, including his his estranged ex-wife, um, to kind of um, to make this movie uh, before everything ends. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to get to see an early version of it. It's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. Nathan, you really should be incredibly proud of what you put together there. Uh, and I definitely suggest uh, if you're in the Chattanooga area, we do have some listeners in Tennessee. Uh, but if you're anywhere you want to watch online, please do. Uh, and I'll include links to that and all the other links to follow Nathan and Chrissy in the show notes. Of course, this is Binger's Assemble, where we do, uh, you know, when new stuff is coming out and you want to be able to hear all the about all the old ones without necessarily watching them or just watch them and then talk to people who are sh- as excited about them as you are. This is Binge Assemble. It's part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. Lots of other great podcasts. The MCU cast, uh, Star Trek cast, a lot of uh, animation deliberation, which talks about uh, the anim- animated version of stuff we do. Um, all sorts of great stuff like that. I, of course, am Matthew Fox, The Ethical Panda. On The Ethical Panda, you'll find my podcasts, including Superhero Ethics and Star Wars Universe Podcast. Check out all those great things. Uh, and most importantly, I hope you really look forward to the new Indiana Jones movie. We are looking forward to 
we have spoken. Bingers Assemble is a Stranded Panda podcast. For all of our podcasts and other geeky creative projects, go to strandedpanda.com. 